For too many years, families of children with devastating illnesses have felt helpless as they watched their child suffer. Today, they're taking matters into their own hands and finally finding relief, treating their child with cannabis. These are their stories. Hey guys, welcome, uh, welcome, welcome. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, this is a Father's Day special. I'm Osiris Stefan, and I'm here with a number of guests um, to talk about fathers and their roles and responsibilities, but also for those fathers that you don't get to hear about or see. Uh, the ones who have, you know, children with, with certain ailments that, you know, that makes things that much more challenging. So I just want um, everyone here to introduce themselves and what they do, and also tell us a little bit about your story. So Justin, you want to get started? Heck yeah. So uh, <laughs> thanks for having me, and um, good to be back. And yes. uh, it's awesome. To, uh, I love Clubhouse. It's been such an amazing platform for for CBD and hemp and cannabis and collaborations and podcasts and doctors and researchers and it's just been an amazing experience so happy to be here i know father's day is coming up on sunday here i'm making plans to take my son and three daughters and wife down to tory pines for the u.s open golf tournament and uh yeah i mean we got started uh our second child was born our son and uh, life was good you know white picket fence dogs and the whole nine and, uh, you know, we were playing t-ball and teaching them how to read and write and, and talk around two and a half and three. And uh, all of a sudden he lost his language, lost his ability to communicate, kind of went into a hole. I thought it was just like a phase or he would just grow out of it or something. And um, my wife went and got a diagnosis and uh, we found out he was diagnosed with severe autism. And uh, certainly the biggest gut punch in my life, didn't know what that meant and started doing a lot more research to understand what was the cure, how do we fix it? You know, that's what us guys do, we fix things. And so we went to work. Um, fortunately, I was raised holistically with plant-based medicine and understood how nutrition and food work. And um, we cleaned up his diet. We got rid of anybody that didn't, um, um, really gel with what we were trying to accomplish. There's a lot of people that had their theories. There's organizations out there that really just tell you it's a lifelong sentence and just deal with it, cope it, cope with it. When I wasn't gonna, that wasn't, uh, you know, I, I was his only dad and I was gonna fix it, darn it. So when we cleaned up his diet and probiotics and gut health and immune system with clean juicing, no um, processed foods, no refined sugars, um, we did a food allergy test. We got all of his blood levels, everything we possibly could to really understand the baseline of where we were. And he had heavy metals and pesticides off the charts. I mean, absolutely off the charts. So his body was attacking itself. And that's what autoimmune diseases are. It's overinflammation. It's, um, you know, it doesn't know the good cells from the bad cells. So once we got his gut health going, his diet and nutrition going, his, uh, his autism was down to the moderate level. So we could reteach him how to talk and reteach him how to just communicate, make eye contact. Um, and we were making progress. Uh, he, he was definitely behind socially and delayed and tantrums and, and things like that. But we were making progress, but we weren't all the way back. And so we kept digging, kept meeting with doctors, flying all over the country, all over the world, meeting with researchers, anything we possibly could find. There just wasn't much out there. And you know, we'd find little articles and some, some here, like some methylated B12 shots, and we'd find a little hope here and some research there. And finally, I'm sitting down at a diner, a place called the Busy Bee in downtown Ventura, California. My buddy's a cannabis grower. We're sitting there talking, and his, his friend is, uh, says he wants to make a roll-on pen, a CBD pen, for pain. And I was like, what the heck is CBD? I called it CDB. I didn't know what it was. He goes, well, apparently there's something in cannabis that helps with um, pain. And I'm like, all right, dude. Like, I knew everything there was to know about cannabis back in college and 
growing up and I even grew, uh, I was, a, grew up in the Midwest and was a farmer and grew cannabis out here in Southern California when I moved out here. And I was like, I never heard of CBD in my life. So then I started digging in and, and wouldn't, you know, I find this research, how CBD is helping children with epilepsy and seizures, children. And I was like, what? And so when I dug a little bit deeper, um, Dr. Mishulam discovered this in the 1970s, obviously the beautiful story of the Charlotte Fiji and, uh, Charlotte Figgy and her mom, Paige. And so that was kind of like, that was like, oh my God. So there's a plant that comes from the earth that is scientifically proven to reduce or stop seizures from children. And then I connected, obviously, epilepsy, seizures, neurological ailment with autism and said, you know what, we're going all in. So I talked to everybody in the industry I possibly could and we started trying all the products ourselves first and then him didn't get the immediate results that we wanted but i wasn't going to give up because i knew it was my best lead and as a dad i trusted my instincts and i always encourage parents to do the same do your own research trust your own instincts and that led me to dr william courtney's research with juicing cannabis he was using it to juice late stage um stage four stage five cancer uh, people in hospice and he was having incredible results and then that's when the total eureka went. I was like, that's it, man. Why are people burning and heating and isolating and denaturing this beautiful plant? I get if you want to turn THCA, the THC Delta 9 to get stoned. But if you want to get healthy, you want to leave the plant exactly the way it was grown. So I just grew some high CBDA cannabis, hemp, whatever you want to call it out here in Southern California. Made a real simple cold press uh, oil extraction. Gave it to my son. He was out of pumpkin patch having a tantrum, hands over the air, screaming, kicking while everyone else is picking pumpkins. Literally, my wife gives it to him two minutes later. He snaps out of it, runs off to go, picks out his pumpkin. And the whole family's there and aunt and uncle and grandparents. And they're like, what was that? What would you give him? And it was like, is that cold press CBDA hemp oil? And so fast forward to the finish line. My son's no longer on the spectrum. He went. He's the only documented child with nutrition and lots and lots of hemp supplement to go from severe autism to diagnosed off the spectrum. And uh, we set up an organization, 101cbd.org, to just share our story, share the products, um, collaborate, teach people how to grow hemp in their backyard. We give away free hemp seeds as well. And like I said, just uh, honored to be here, happy to share the story, collaborate and uh, you know get together with some other dads that have, that have gone through hell and back. And, and uh, here we are. Thanks, Justin. Uh, I hear your story, and I again, and I'm like, wow. I can imagine that's a lot, especially when you have other children. I mean, we have similar stories. You know, with my son, he was two and a half when he was diagnosed with epilepsy, and you know, the journey goes on where you're up and down. You have some good days, you have bad days, but you keep pushing. And one of the things I recalled was that moment where I realized, like, we're using this plant to like empower us. And as a dad, it's like you've had those moments where you felt vulnerable, you felt defeated when, you, you know, your child is going through something, you feel like you don't know what to do, you feel helpless, feel like your hands are tied, it's like, what are you doing? And there's times when you're arguing with your partner, you're getting the fights of over, like, what are we going to do? What are the options? Like, you know, it's like all these emotions and you're trying to deal with, it, and there's this plant, it's right there, giving you all the answers, but yet, you know, you're second guessing, you're wondering, you know, are you doing the right thing? And, you question almost every step until eventually you just said, let me give in and see how this works. But that being said, and it's funny that you mentioned something like you had to cut people off in your life that just wasn't going with the plan. It's true. Some, so many people are so like ignorant to things that they only think one way and they're not willing to take chances. And as a dad, you stand up for your family. You're like, no, this is the way we're going to do it. It's either you're with us or you're not with us. And that was uh, something we thought about when we talked to the doctors and we're like, this is what we're going to do. You either work with us or you don't. You know, we gave them that option. But I don't think I would have been able to do that if I didn't really, if I didn't believe in the plan. And it's just that the decisions as a dad you have to make, it could be overwhelming and stressful. So when you were making that decision, Justin, what went through your mind? You know, how did you feel about doing making that decision? Well, again, I mean, we were at the point where we were so desperate, you know, uh, two years in 
roughly, of trying everything we possibly could and having, you know, moderate success, but not breakthrough success. And there was nothing out there. There was hardly anything that was showing real improvement. It was really just like, you're going to have to deal with it. And so, I mean, I'm the oldest of six. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I just really didn't care what other people thought. My job as the dad is to help my son, is to help raise him right and so he can live a healthy and happy uh, life. And so, unfortunately, I lived in California, so I didn't ever get any pushback. Um, there were some schools that wanted to put him in uh, the most remedial classes and things like that, and we yanked him out of there, too. And uh, we found a good school that was uh, welcoming, and, um, you know, when they say when God shows that's one door. He opens another. And that worked. That was our situation uh, for that as well. So we got lucky. Um, and I'm, I'm just kind of wired that way. But I certainly encourage other parents to, if you're not wired that way, to um, just dig a little deeper because you we're all wired that way when it comes to doing what's best for our kids and screw other people's opinions. <laughs> True. Yeah, I think about those moments where it's like, you know, I'm left alone and, you know, I try not to show any, you know, sensitivity or vulnerability. But then with some moments where it's like, is he going to make it like what's his life going to be like? What how how is he ever going to be able to take care of himself? What kind of life will he have? Will he ever go to college? You know, all these superficial things. And it's just like, you know, as dad, you you know, you think about, you know, I want him to play sports. I wanted to be uh, someone special and wanted to do certain things, you know, that I wanted to do. And I found myself like moments alone, just crying because I just didn't know what the future would hold for him. And it's like, I just want to take that pain he's going through. But I see him sometimes. He doesn't seem to be going through that much pain or any pain at all. But for me as a dad, it's like you have these dreams and hopes for your child and then you think it's being taken away. Have you had those moments? Oh, sure. I think we all have. You know what I mean? I think we've all had those moments where we didn't know if how things were going to turn out. And um, we just hoped for the best. And, yeah, there's certainly dark days. And fortunately, um, I don't it's, – it's been so long now that we've had such good positive success. I can't even really remember them. Thank God. Maybe I just reprogrammed my brain with NLP to – just remember the good, but yeah, I, I remember some really, really dark days. That's for sure. True. Yeah. And I, I hear what you're saying. Cause that, that's one thing I tell my wife too, is like, let's hold on to the good days. Of course it's going to be bad days, but the good days that just makes, uh, makes it that much better. Uh, you know, going through it, it's like we had our challenges. I mean, my wife and I were sleeping at times. We were at arguing over what we we're going to do next, how we we're going to handle things. Uh, talking to doctors, all they just want to do is pump medication down the child's throat. It's like, look, it's, it's like you you feel like you're being attacked from all sides. But as a dad, you know, you just got to stand your ground and be strong. But there are some moments where you wish somebody just give you a pat on the back and say, look, it's going to be all right. Everything's going to work itself out. And there's days that it does happen and there's days that it doesn't. And one, one of some things I do think about is like, are we being appreciated for what we're doing? Do are we being, you know, looked at as like that? That's a strong dad. He's really doing the right thing. Uh, I don't know if I could do what he's doing, and I don't know if we get that recognition. I don't know if we even want that recognition. I don't know if you and your wife have ever talked about things like that. Well, I mean, you know, obviously we were a team, and and my mom was out here as well helping out, and and. Uh, I just think you get so focused on uh, healing your child that you just don't um, you don't have really much time to think about other things. Um, you know, for me, it was you know, because our our situation was so clearly regressive that we knew he, we knew him as a healthy boy, and that was the part where it was clearly burned in my mind that you know we were going to fix this and there had to be a solution. So something obviously happened for him to lose communication skills, for him to, um, you know, go into that hole. And so we just had to reverse those effects 
and uh, you know, a lot of hard nights and 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 a lot of hopelessness um, crept in, but just sticking to the course, and um, yeah, we got lucky, man. It was uh, it's why we call it the miracle plant, and that's why we're on such a big mission to pay it forward because you know we we didn't know if we were going to get out of it or not. Hey, Justin. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing that I I'm always curious. Like, it, I'm sure it's not doesn't apply so much to Osiris, but for you, is when someone. I'm fortunate that I've never, and I hope I never have to experience what you guys went through because I just don't know that I'd be able to get get through it as well as you did, as well as both of you have. But the one thing I'm always um, curious as to what's going through your mind about your other kids, because you know you're not, it's not you have four kids and you're not spend, you know, it's not twenty five, twenty five, twenty five percent for each one. It's like. 80% on one and the other ones are getting what's left over. How did you get, how did you manage that? Well, so we had an older daughter that, um, it was certainly tough on her. And I think we're still trying to kind of make sense of it to her, um, that you're pouring in, um, so much attention on solving one child's issues. And so, um, you know, I, I, but there wasn't really, there was nothing else we could do, <laughs> yeah. right? We had to put all of our attention into healing our, or basically our sick child. So um, I know that that definitely left some void, if you will, in our oldest daughter. And uh, yeah, I think we're still making up for that. Uh, it was certainly was hard. The, uh, the other ones came along um, as he was um, rounding the bend. So he still gets a little bit more attention than, um, you know, than maybe 25, 25, 25, 25, like you said, just because they're still, he, he lost two years of his life. I mean, he basically was in a coma for two years. And so um, we're still catching up, but, you know, he's, he's, the, the catching up part is really mostly just about social cues and things like that. And I took him to his first jujitsu wrestling um, class yesterday and it was really complicated stuff it was like an intermediate class in which he'd never been in any of it before he took right to it and um you know it but yeah we certainly um you, you know it's it's certainly hard on the other children too it's a astute point you know it's, it's interesting you brought that up then because that's what's really been holding us from having another child you know we've always thought about you know let's have a girl but i'm like but then what happens when that child is born? We're spending who are we gonna spend more time with? Because obviously it's gonna be a newborn, so we gotta spend more time on him or her. So then, you know, is Aiden gonna be the one played the you know the back seat now, or are we gonna still continue to pay more attention and not as much attention to the newborn? So it it's like a back and forth with the idea, and then at some point we just said, you know what, it wouldn't be fair. But then we go back again and say, well, he's gonna grow up alone. What happens? If we move on. And he's here in this world by himself. Then what? <laughs> so we feel kind of guilty either way. Any decision we make is kind of like you still feel guilty about it. Yeah, I think you figure it out. I think you figure. I know it's, I mean, th this is a Father's Day special, but I know for me and most of the guys that I, most of my buddies would say the same thing is when you have your, you know, you have your first kid and you're just like, I mean, you just can't even imagine once you get to know you just can't even get to imagine anybody could even come close, you know, to, you'd feel the same for anybody. And then, you know, when you first, when you have your second and third kids, you're like, at first it's like, well, yeah, they're cute, but they're babies. They're not, you know, this, this kid that's two or three years old. I mean, they, I have a, it in a few, <laughs> a few weeks, it's like, what the heck? You're just as attached to, you know, the mom's attached to them instantly, but the dad, it takes, you know, a, a few days, but eventually it's like, and you know, before you know it, it's, you know, everyone's getting all the attention that you can possibly share equally because, you know, you just, it's just like having another arm or another leg. It's like, you you can't imagine being without it. And that's, I think what happens. And you, you guys are such great parents. You should, you should have two or three more like Justin. Yeah. I'm going to take a seat on that one. <laughs> it's just a lot of work because, um, in a day, it's like you, your morning starts at five thirty. If you're not going to the gym, you wake up and you're making breakfast and you're, you you know, you have this regimen that you have to follow through. And 
it takes literally almost like 45 minutes just to get him ready for, you know, for school. Because, you know, you're putting out all his meds. You're making sure he has CBD. You, know, you make sure he has these other added, you know, vitamins, minerals. And then he's got to get eight ounces of water in, if not a chase with a glass of milk. So you have all this diet protocol. Then you have him get dressed on his own. Then you're rushing down to get the bus. And so it's like, could you imagine trying to do that with two to three other children? I, I don't know. I'll tell you what, Osiris, it's funny you say that because I remember those days. I mean, I didn't have those type of rigaments, but what we would have instead would be arguments or this this person took this or this person. And so you're dealing with all kinds of drama and then it's racing off to school and then it's after school, I got to be this practice and make sure you get over to this practice in time or this recital in time. And, and then all of a sudden it's over and you're like, oh my God, that was the last time, I, you know, that... I missed it. I don't remember the last day I had to drive my kids to school, <laughs> but you know, now it's over. And then, so <laughs> I know it seems stressful right now, but, and you know, you hear all these, I'm not that old, but you can, but I would, you know, you'd love to have those stressful mornings again. That would be great. You got a point there. I, I do think about it too. There are moments where I just stop by and I'm like, wow, because I didn't have my dad. So I, you know, I never got to meet my father, don't know him. So, you know, a lot of what I'm doing, I'm pretty much winging it in a way, but yet building something, you know, something that he can follow as a template because all my father experiences are, I'm, I'm in them now, basically. So it's not like something that he had left me a book or I watched someone else doing day in, day out. So I look at it this way. It's like, I'm giving my son something that I didn't have. And that's an opportunity to call someone dad, you know, someone to, you know, at night when I'm reading to him or I'm helping with homework or I'm teaching him how to put a uh, T-ball, you know, my wife does most of the, t- most of that. Cause I co- coach, I coach as well. So he's on the team and it's like, wow, I catch myself every now and then and say, Oh my God, I don't believe I'm doing this. I could only imagine what it would have been like for me if my, if my dad was in my life and he would have been doing these things, you know, the homework, the reading at night, laying next to me, making sure I'm okay, feeding me, helping me get uh, dressed, teaching me how to take a shower, all these things. And it's like, wow. But I think it gives me more of appreciation for doing it. And it's allowed me to connect with my son in a different way. So I don't know if you guys, I mean, for you, Justin... You do it over and over again. <laughs> yeah, four. <laughs> it's not easy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm sure, like Dan said, you know, looking back, it's kind of like you just remember the, the, the smiles and the pictures and the, you know, it used to be, you know, album books. But, you know, now it's your phone and your Facebook memories pop up and you don't remember all the fighting and the discipline and the, you know, all of that and the tough stuff you just you just kind of remember the highlights and um so when you're in the fight when you're in the war you sometimes you know it's it's certainly stressful and 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 the reason that it's stressful is that you're trying to raise good kids i mean anyone can be a shitty parent and not give a hell what your parent what your kids do and let them eat shit and let them hang out with 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 dumb people or you know just idiots uh, you know, whatever lot of, of folks or whatever. And that's easy to be a a bad parent. You know, you don't have to care. You don't have to be around, you know? Um, and it's just, it's only difficult when you're trying to raise good kids and you want them to be happy and understand that there's consequences for making bad decisions and, and give them a template for, for when you make a mistake, what was the lesson? You know, it's kind of like, and trying different things and, 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 and failure is the best teacher on the planet and just, you know, giving them the courage and the, the support to try new things and pick yourself up. And, and when they find something that they truly love, a passion, whether it's a sport or the arts or whatever, you just support the heck out of them. Um, and so, you know, that's what I mean. It's, yeah, it's certainly a handful. Um, but you know, it's everything that's anything that's great in life is, is it takes a lot, a lot of work. And, you know, obviously the, the, the greatest things in life are the relationships that we have, whether it's friends or family. That's awesome. Now, with your son going to school, is he treated differently? Do they see him differently? Or is that he kind of blends in? 
because for us in our school, we've been very fortunate with the school he's uh, at because the teachers are actually started teaching the kids about epilepsy and what it means. So when they see Aiden have a seizure, they they know how to take care of him. It's amazing to see how the class just turned to him and they just support him. Uh, how supportive are the school, like the staff and the students with your son? Oh, we, we really lucked out. We have an incredible school and um, so much support. Uh, great teachers. We just really couldn't be happier. And, it, you know, a school is only as good as its teacher and the grade that you're in. And, uh, and, and to date, we've just had unbelievably supportive and caring um, teachers who, you know, were we would have like, you know, the IEPs and you sat down at the beginning of the year and you had goals and things to work on. And, you know, it's it, it's it's really crazy sometimes to have we had an end of the year one and it was just like he, he did great. You know, he, he got his highest academic award. Now, again, the thing is, obviously, like I said before, is he, he had social delays because he basically was in a coma for two years. I mean, he was just not there. And so catching up on those social cues and being in school, you know, that's that's the most important thing for him. And obviously with coronavirus and having to homeschool and a lot of our kids that are on the spectrum, they love routine. And that was just man, that was nuts. Homeschooling and back and forth and masks and all that stuff was just that. But we got through it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit tough. But I know uh, Aiden had – I actually had more of a hard time with it than Aiden. Uh, he he can care less. <laughs> he was just excited to be with his family. He was home, got to watch some TV and just hang out, just hang out with us. Hey, Miguel, how's it going? You want to chime in? Or are you just here to listen? Sorry, I'm outside. It's a little noisy. I'm going to be in my car in a few minutes. Nah, no problem, my friend. No problem. Be safe. So what- – I mean, as a dad, too, one of the things that I noticed when you, when you mentioned IEPs, it reminds me of the meetings we would have. And one thing that I, I – one of many things I came away with early on when we got involved with the early childhood uh, programs for my son was that they would dismiss me being there. So I'd be in these meetings having these discussions with them. When my wife's sitting there, they would never address me. They would never look at me. They always talked to my wife. They always looked at her. And it's like they got into a conversation, and it's like I'm sitting here. Because at the time, well, when my son was going through this, I was a stay-at-home dad. So all the information I needed to have. In fact, I was one that initiated to, you know, to get him involved in the early childhood. So I'm, like, reaching out to these people, and yet they just want to talk to mom. And that kind of bothered the hell out of me. But then I realized, I found out that the reason why was that a lot of dads were not involved in the child's um, early childhood programs that um, rarely do they uh, see them. Uh, it was just mostly the moms that they dealt with or they had conversations with. And so that kind of like really got under my skin. I'm like, okay, I really need to address this. I need to start talking to them more often than finding out what I can do to let them know that, hey, I'm here. So as a dad, that's something you, you really have to stay on top of. I don't know, Miguel, if you have a chance, if you're listening in, if you've had that experience, Hey, I'm finally in my car. Uh, <laughs> no worries. So, yeah, I mean, I, I have my, my son was diagnosed with autism at first. When, when he was young, basically around two years old, he, he had delayed. So they said it was probably autism. But then we just found out like a year ago, it was actually dyslexia. But again, like I've been in all the meetings and, and trying to understand what, how to give him the best opportunities, you know, but still kind of fighting that fight. Like yeah. literally we really fight to get him assistive technology. Like he gets a laptop now where he gets like special programs that help lexics because I'm in a special school for specific thing. Most don't really have the, the, the resources to help. So we've been trying to fight for that. Yeah, being involved as a father, you know, it's tough because, you know, I, I, I also am the main breadwinner, so it's hard to, to keep track of all of it. Uh, yeah. But, you know, 
I do worry about his future and like how how he's gonna be as an adult because I do especially now with this year how much he's fell behind you know with the online learning and you know it's just tough for every every kid this year but um yeah I mean this is an awesome platform nice to meet all you guys that are doing amazing stuff for your children inspirational to me I, I'm gonna try to do better guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard. Now, that was one of the things I was going to ask um, Justin. Like, how do you handle running a business and a family? Like, it's like you still got to be commander in chief, but you got to have like a lieutenant on the side that works with you. Because I know that sometimes it's like you're going to butt heads on decisions. But how is it that you're able to maintain the family and run a business? Well, if they're, if we're handed out awards, um, I'll take one. But, uh, you know, it's it's hard, man. It's super hard. But you know, what is it, what, what, what kind of, what kind of life do you want to live? You know, what, what is it that you're here for? And, um, I, I fortunately had a lot of success when I was younger, um, running a business and, um, just, you know, doing my thing. And so I had been to the mountaintop financially and all of that and the jet setter lifestyle. And, you know, it was great. Um, but like I, my, my dream scenario was making tons of money so I could travel the world and play golf all the time. And that's what I was doing. And it was great, <laughs> but it wasn't necessarily fulfilling. And so um, when we had our family and we started having children, obviously things shift and you start working on, you know, on spending more time with them and your priorities shift. And, and so, um, but then we obviously had our, our, our diagnosis with our second child, that's when everything changed. And then when I saw the huge gap between what this plant can do and what, uh, you know, Joe Q public thinks about this plant, then I knew all of my communication skills and sales and marketing and everything that I had learned up until this point, this was my chance to make a contribution. This is my legacy. This is my way to pay it forward. This is my, this is my thing. This is, this is what I need to do with my life. Um, because what this plant did for my son, it can do for millions of other families. And I'm the person that can do it. I know I can do it. I know I can get out there and talk to people. I know I can get out there and uh, explain what, the, you know, by sharing my story and offering free products. I mean, at the end of the day, what we want to do is we want to be able to have our .org be set up in a manner that anybody, everybody can come and get free products. And we teach people how to grow hemp in their backyard with free seeds. You don't need to buy products from me. You can just grow it in your backyard put it in your omega juicer with your carrots and your celery and get the most that this plant has to offer. I, and I won't make a penny off of it, but cause I, you can't take it with you folks. And so that's, that's where my why is so big that yes, I I'm up every morning at five or whatever and doing all my morning routine stuff that I got to do. And I, we got four kids and, you know, keeping our head above float like Bubba Gump and Forrest Gump and the greatest, craziest hurricane on a shrimping boat to get through this last year and a half. And it's all worth it because I clearly see that we want to help a billion people by 2025, whether it's by products, videos, education, or seeds. And I'm not going to rest until I've hit that goal. I'm not going to rest until the whole world knows what this plant can do for them and what eating right and thinking right can do for them. Because we're screwed up, man. The way that we think right now in this country, social media, comparing with the Joneses, the things that we think are important, it's crazy. You know, the pharmaceutical model that people just continue to bash their heads on, you know, and say, it's hilarious. Like, could you imagine if you were an alien and you came here and you watched the commercials and you're like, you guys have a rash and you're going to take a pill that can cause a heart attack? Why would you take the pill? <laughs> it's like... What are you thinking? And so there's just so much help. And we're here right now on the frontier and we can do it. You're doing it out there, Osiris. I've seen you. You're out there and you're led you're working with legislators. I'm out there doing the same thing on the on the West Coast. You're on the East Coast. And there's just so much to do. And it's hard as hell. But you know what? It's all worth it because we get to talk to these families. And I know we've worked with you and we've worked with hundreds and thousands of families. And to hear the tears in their eyes when they get to hug their child and they see the first smile or the first words or they're making great progress or they're starting to adopt other children 
and they're they're expanding their families because the child that they had the the problem with is better doing better so it's it's just a matter of how big is your why and for me it's this is everything and i also kids won't listen to what you say they'll watch what you do and if you want to be a great parent do great things and show them that you can take control of your life and that you have a dream and that you accomplish it and so Every single day, I know why I'm here and what I'm doing, and it's hard, but it's 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 awesome. And you got to enjoy the ride, man. Don't just get caught up in the destination. You get what you focus on. Every single day could be the greatest day of your life. Just like that moment when you wake up in the morning and you feel great before you start thinking about your to-do list. You can feel great all day long, and you got to work on what you put in your head and surround yourself with positive, great people. And so, yeah, it's a lot of hard work, brother, but I'm up for it. I love it. Thanks, Justin. Amen to that. But, uh, you know, when you say those moments that you cherish, it's like, it's funny. I was trying to teach my son. I would always tell him, you know, I love you. I love you, Aiden. I love you. Hoping that one day he'll say that to me. And it was not too long ago, probably probably a couple of years ago, he started saying, I love you, Daddy. I'm like, oh, my God, he said it. Wow. And he means it. So he says it now so naturally. But what makes it more special is the moments when he says it, when I least expect it. So it's like, because there was a time where I was hoping he'd just say the word daddy. And now he's gotten to that point where he's saying, I love you, dad. And it's like, it's really, really something special. And what was it like for you guys when you first hear your child saying, I love you? Yeah, I mean, I, I was in the same boat. I mean, um, you, you never know if your child's going to ever say another word. You never know if your child's going to make eye contact. You never know if they're going to laugh. You never know if they're going to sing. You never know if you're going to be able to play catch. And, you know, um, unfortunately, if we went with the current model, the predominant model in our country, just the United States, there's not a lot of great success stories out there when you when you go the traditional road. Uh, There's it's this country. It's it's not healthcare, baby. It's sick care. And we're the tests, we're the gerbils, man. You know, it's crazy. There's a, they made a drug called Epidiolex, which is a synthetic form of, of CBD that, you know, costs $32,000 a year that they're made for children with epilepsy. $32,000 a year so your child doesn't have seizures. And I know your child has seizures. And so it's like, what are you talking about? This is a hemp plant that grows wild all over Nebraska where I grew up. We called it ditchweed. It's hemp. It's everywhere. You couldn't kill it if you wanted to. It's free. And, and you know, we live in this model where it's like, no, 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 you need to take this prescription. Oh, wait, let's try this prescription. And then well, you, if you take this prescription, you can't take it with this prescription. And if you start taking this prescription, then you can't ever get off of it. And it's like, and we're, and they don't know what they're doing because the people that are teaching them are the pharmaceutical reps, right? I mean, did, did, was it, what were we doing a hundred years ago? How did we ever make it? And where did, where did rheumatoid arthritis come from? Because I sure as hell never heard about it in the 50s and the 60s. So the point is that this system is broke and we have to, we have to you know, figure out ways to just you know, open up our eyes. And, and, and as dads, like, you, you know, you want to be the, the captain, you want to be the captain of the ship. Well, trust your own instincts, do your own damn research. Don't just trust some dude in a white coat. You know what I mean? And that's another great thing about clubhouse. There is so much great information that it's talked about on here. I've had so many great conversations with doctors and researchers. I can't even, you know, I was getting pinged on while we're on here right now. There's a room called, uh, or a club called holistic bitches. That's the name of their club. And they're great. There's these wonderful women and there's men in there too talking about holistic ways and natural ways to heal our bodies from all kinds of diseases. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm, as you can tell, they also call me the clubhouse wizard because I uh, put on a little wizard costume on Sundays and recap what the founders say. But uh, as you can tell, I'm a pretty big fan of clubhouse. Yeah, I did see you in that costume. I thought you were part of the, what was that book? But yeah, that's Merlin. The Wizard of Oz or Lord of the Rings? 
uh, Lord of the Rings, and then it was the other one, Harry Potter. It was leaning more towards Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, well, the funny thing is that that costume I actually got, I think, is is a, an, like an official Lord of the Rings costume. Because you know me, if you're going to swim, get wet, dive into the deep end and get your hair wet. <laughs> and so it was fun. We did that for a while. And like I said, I, I, I really am super uh, impressed and blessed uh, because Clubhouse has been a place for all of us to collaborate. Look at – Look at this great show that we're having. I mean, I know you and I knew each other, but I mean, how many people and dads and, and great people have you met on Clubhouse in, in the CBD hemp cannabis space? Oh, a lot. I've, I've connected. I would have to say I've met a lot of great people in the industry, especially dads, because one of the interesting things is that I rarely get to meet dads who are in the same situation as we are. And when I find them in this industry, it's because of, you know, basically an injured child pushes them into this industry because they wanted to go the holistic route. They just didn't, like you were saying, they want to do the pharma med to have the child sitting in a corner somewhere drooling and just basically not motivated and on 10 different medications. It's just like, wow, that's no life for a child. And as a dad, that kind of kills you because you're like, I don't have it in me to solve my child's problem or I just don't care enough. You know, there's, there was a time where I would say to people that, you know, children can be a lifestyle inconvenience for some parents. You know, they just don't fit in their schedule. You know, I don't have time to go to a PTA meeting. I don't have time to take you to your sports events. I have things to do. And, it's, and for me, I'm like, I'm always going to be there for my son. I'm always going to be fighting for him. I'm always going to be pushing um, no matter what. And, you know, I'll go to his school and I push back. And I'm like, hey, you're not doing that with my son. It, and it's funny, I'm like during this time of COVID where they're putting these, um, you know, these thermal guns to the forehead. I'm like, no, you're not doing that to my son. It's already traumatic just to be in a neighborhood where they're shooting each other every day. And yet you're going to put this in my son's forehead. I'm like, no, but something simple as that and standing up for your child goes a long way. Absolutely. Well, and like we talked about before is, you know, it's easy to be a, a, a crappy parent. <laughs> you just don't care or pay attention. It's only hard when you're 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 being a good parent and you're putting in the work. Are you going to say something? Dan? Yeah, I was just going to say it's an, you know I've lis- I listen to both of you every week, so I I know the the stories and I can't every single week I come away inspired. And one of the things that you know you mentioned is you know is being a being a father. Or you know the, the sometimes your role is to try to you know to be to to be strong and everyone to look to you for when things are bad they look to you and one and one thing that you know one way that that manifests is through optimism. It's hard to be optimistic when you're scared or when you're you know when you're and if you can and one thing that I see with both of you guys is just this amazing sense of optimism. It's always, we got this. We're going to get this. Don't worry. We got this. I got this. I will figure this out. And you, that goes a long way for the people around you, whether it's your employees or whether it's your family or especially, I mean, and you guys take it to the next level, maintaining optimism to, you know, in, the, in the face of, of, of really, really uncertainty. Uh, and I think that, you know, just goes, it says so much about what you've done so far and where, where you're going. Well, right back at you, Dan. You're a super optimistic, you know, great guy and have been a champion for this plant and given both of us a platform to have podcasts. And because before Clubhouse, uh, podcasts <laughs> was was one of the only other ways to get our messages out. And now we've, we're combining podcasts on Clubhouse. And uh, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. But yeah, I agree. Attitude and positivity is worth its weight in gold. Yeah, I think my wife gets mad if she goes, you're over-optimistic. I was like, I have to be. We already know what's the worst. We've already been through the worst. You know, those nights of not being able to sleep. Your child's going through it in the middle of the night. You're not sleeping. You're trying to decide who goes to work, who stays home. You've been through the worst. So the only thing's left is positive things to happen. You know, and especially if you're putting in, like you said, Justin, if you're putting in the work day in and day out, good things are going to come about. And even if it doesn't, you know, there's another, there's a good day somewhere coming down the line. So it's like you look at yourself and say, why should I deserve a better day than the next person? There might be somebody out there who deserves a better day than I do. You know, who am I? I don't want to feel like as if 
I'm something special to anyone else or to any, you know, to the world itself. You know, I'm just like any other human being. You just said my situation is a tad bit different because of my son, but their situation could be different as well. But I appreciate all the things that are in my life and appreciate the things that are not in my life, you know, and, you know, talking to Justin, hearing his story and staying positive constantly, like, wow, this guy's a ball of energy. You know, it's like, I got to be that way with my son, you know, just keeping him going. Absolutely. Well, I mean, our kids only have one dad. And like you said, your dad wasn't around and, you know, you're going to, they say that children will either uh, embrace or rebel against the example you set. So if you set the example of being a bad dad or a bad parent or someone who's not around, then the, the child can either decide to, to model that and, and, and let the cycle continue or yeah. they can rebel against it. And uh, obviously we are uh, doing, we're doing the best we can and no one's perfect. And, you know, you just keep doing the best you can every day. And, you know, I talked to my wife about that, you know, and I, one of the things that I say is when it comes to raising a family, if you make a decision, as, as long as you're making decisions that are in the children's best interest, then you're going to be okay. Like it's all going to work out eventually. Just keep making good decisions. You know, stop worrying about what your parents think or the neighbors think or whoever, whatever it is, uh, or what other alternative is that gets in your head. Just make a decision that's in their best interest and things are going to work out. That's yeah, so true. I was always said that just like, as long as we're doing it from a good place, we should be fine. You know, there's no ulterior motives. There's no, you know, anything that's not going to be beneficial to the family. We should be fine in any decision we make, even just like just relocating. I mean, we relocated during the COVID lockdown, but it's to a better situation for, you know, for our son to grow up. Uh, but it, it, it has its moments and it has its special moments. And I, I, I do enjoy the special moments. And like you were mentioning how your child's been doing well in school, like my son as well. And he's excelling. He's actually ahead of schedule um, with his reading level. And you're talking about a kid who's, like you said, stopped talking. I had to teach him sign language at the age of two until he's three. And finally, he's, you know, he's starting to take off and blossom. And it's amazing. He's playing baseball, you know, sometimes. Because, he was, you, know, you know, boys in the field, they start to play with the dirt or butterflies. But watching him and, you know, him being by my side is like, wow. Okay, I'm, I'm, I think I'm doing the right thing. I think I'm on the right track. Because there's moments you second-guess yourself. You wonder if you're doing the right thing. Especially when the missus is mad at you every now and then. <laughs> so you, you just got to, like, check, you know, check your dots and, uh, you know, check all those boxes and make sure, you, you know, you are on track. But one thing is I never try to get ahead of myself and I just stay grounded because I know my, my son is watching. He's watching every move I make, every step, how I carry myself, how I talk to my wife and how I even talk to him. You know, if he asks for a hug, I never reject him. I never reject him. Uh, if he says, hey, could you just lay next to me while I sleep? Not a problem. Will you read to me? Not a problem. I would never say no to him. And uh, I hold on to those moments because I know I never had those moments. So for me to be able to share that, it means a lot. Absolutely. Well, Dan, you've made it. So you've, like you said, you've made it through the gauntlet. <laughs> Any some sage uh, words of wisdom for for us dads and the dads out there listening to the show? Uh any uh, sage words to pass along to us? Because well, you've got a bunch of great kids. Yeah. Well, first off, I <laughs> I don't think I've made it through the gauntlet. I think I, I think some every, some days it feels like I'm just starting. I made it through one gauntlet, maybe that's <laughs> that's one way to look at it. Uh, but I I think that the one the stage that you guys are in when your kids are still, you know, maybe you still have a little bit of influence on them, and then they don't, <laughs> you know, they don't think you have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it is um you know you hear it all the time but it it's it it's gone it's gone fast and uh you know you can't do it over again and you can't say well you know what I'll I'll fix everything I didn't do right 
when I have my grandkids because you you know you have an opportunity right now and I think you guys are embracing that opportunity and I'm sure more da- others most dads are see it the way we do but you got it you know sometimes it, it's it's the times that you're like yeah oh, I gotta make this call or I gotta get this paid I gotta get this done or I gotta get back to this person or I gotta I gotta go to the gym or I gotta and you're like and you see this kid just you know and you're like man you know, you wish, you wish that, you know, you, there's going to be a point where you're going to wish you had that back. So I don't know. <laughs> that's all I can say. That, that, that's a good point. I do think about those days too. I'm sitting and watching TV. He's like, I'm going out to play. I'm like, okay. And I know I'm exhausted. And I'm like, I should be going out there with him. Because there's been so many scary nights with him where I don't know if he's going to wake up the next day. Because if he has a seizure in the middle of the night, and it's like, damn, I don't want to regret that I didn't spend time with him or I didn't spend enough time with him or I could have done something different the other day. And that that keeps me motivated into, you know, really trying to make every minute count that I spend with him, you know, and appreciate every day. Because that, that's like one of my biggest fears is like, oh, dad, come and lay with me. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to go to my bed. You sleep in your bed. And, you know, that would have been that night that something happens to him and I can't take back. So I, I hear it. So I definitely, you know, am attuned in a sense of, like, spend every second. Make, it's the quality of time. It's the quality. Not so much the quantity, but the quality. Yeah, and, you know, this this is the part that, I mean, it, it makes you sad even saying it. But there are certain things that you do with your kids and and then you'll never do it again with them. And you don't know when that last time was but it'll be you know it'll happen like you know whether it's sitting on your lap or you know there's there's just and then one day you're like oh my god yeah that's what you got to watch out for (laughs) because it catches up with you quick absolutely yeah it's uh my oldest daughter is you know she's uh 11 going on 18 wow and you know you can just see (laughs) You know, the, the, there was a shift there. I'm like, whoa, wait a second here. First of all, she's as tall as her mom already. I'm like, whoa. And then, uh, but, you know, definitely uh, growing up and, you know, um, I, I still have some, <laughs> she still listens to me somewhat. So I still have <laughs> some, I'm still getting in there, but I know that um, I'm in a mastermind with uh, Dr. Wyatt Woodsmall. And he uh, he's the guy that um, basically taught Tony Robbins NLP and he had a, a, he had us do an exercise, which I thought was pretty good. So basically you write down the top five priorities in your life. Um, and so you just write them down real quick. And, and then after you write down the top five priorities, you know, family, God, business, um, whatever it is, friends and things, then, um, then you put it in order from one to five. So top of the food chain and, you know, and a lot of people I would assume and myself uh, would be family and, you know, especially those of us that have kids and, um, and then after that, it's whatever else it is. And so um, you write these things down and then next to your top five list, you write um, percentages of percentage of time that you spend on those top fives. And so you, you write down like, what's the percentage you spend uh, with your, your, with your family? What's the percentage you spend, you know, um, on your business? What's the percentage you spend, you know, on whatever the others. And for me, it was pretty, uh, you know, I awakening when, you know, I put my family as my top priority and it's what matters the most to me, but I'm spending 10 or 20% of my time with them. And, you know, I'm spending so much time doing other things as well. Um, But at the end of the day, the only thing that really matters and the only finite resource, the most important resource is time. And like you were saying, Dan, you can't get it back. So sometimes you have to ask yourself, you're like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to make all this money and have this lifestyle. And then when I get there, then I'm going to spend time with my family and we're going to spend all this time together. Or... (laughs) you can choose to spend time with them right now. Like uh, my kids are off school for summer break this week is the first week. 
And I've been hanging around the house. Like I could go into the office and work and I do. And you know, this day and age you can work basically 24 hours a day. Um, but, uh, but then I just find myself coming home early and having lunch and hanging out at the beach. And just because you, like you said, Dan, you can't get that time back. And if it really is your top priority, your family, then figure out ways to spend more time with them. I know some people like Grant Cardone have private planes and, um, I'm all for it. I'm all for private planes. Um, and, and he flies his family around with him. And NASCAR drivers do that. They live in, a, in RVs and travel from, you know, racetrack to racetrack. So I would just challenge everyone to try that and maybe just take a look at it. And, and if your family and your children are your most important thing, then figure out how to spend more time with them. Don't, don't delude yourself. Don't, don't uh, be delusional about what's the most important thing and figure out ways to make spend the most time in that category. Thank you, Justin, on that one. Dan, too, because it is so true. And it reminds me of what you were saying about, you know, trying to figure out your top five priorities. I think someone, Ken Wilbur, talked about that. He called it all quadrants, all lines. Like, where do you spend the most time on your level of development? And family tends to be, you know, verbally everybody's top one, top three, but yet, in practice, it's like at the bottom, <laughs> sometimes not even number five. And uh, I, I'm guilty of that, too. So I spend so much time at work. I'm like, even when you're home with your family, your mind is still on work. Really not with your family when you're saying, that, yeah, I'm spending time with my family. You're there physically, but mentally you're somewhere else. But uh, there's something to think about. And uh, as a dad, you know, every second is important because even your time is not, no guarantee. So that time you spend is something you're going to leave your, um, you know, your child with that memory. You know, my dad is here. My dad did this, you know. And so I think about that. Uh, you know, what kind of legacy am I going to leave behind? And hold on to that. So, gentlemen, I mean, uh, we've reached an hour and I appreciate you all. Uh, you guys are all brothers to me because, we, you know, we've spent almost over a year and a half, two years together. Uh, we know each other's experience. We know each other's families and things of that nature. And I appreciate you guys joining us and to all the guests that listened in. Uh, thank you. You guys could follow us. Please uh, tune in. Uh, I'm on love and can podcast dance part of our podcast next and Justin's as well uh, with the hemp family. So I just want to say thank you all for tuning in and Justin and Dan, thank you for participating. Absolutely. Well, thanks for putting this on and it's a great idea. And, uh, you know, I think, um, it's, uh, it's really cool. You know, uh, the moms always get the love, you know, when, when, when the son scores the touchdown in the football game, it's, I love of you. Mom. And, 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 and I'm okay with that, I guess, but you know, and, and, and we don't do it for the recognition and, yeah. um, just the tip of the cap to, to both of you guys for being great dads and, and uh, yeah, we'll just uh, keep doing our thing. And uh, it, it's great to know you two great dads out there. And it's uh, I've also had some great um, dad conversations. Um, there's there's rooms on dads on Clubhouse. So I encourage yeah, people to find those those rooms, too, because it's fun to hang out with other dads and, and hear um, some lessons and some strategies that work for them as well. But uh, yeah, certainly happy to be here and uh, look forward to hanging out in person again with both of you. I, Dan, you and I haven't even hung out yet. Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I look forward to it real soon. Well, and thank you guys for, you know, everything that you're doing. And I know the, the, the universe thanks you for what you're doing. I know you're putting, you're, you're making a big difference, whether you feel it or not, you're making a big difference, whether Justin gets to a, three, to a billion people and by 2025 or, you know, Osiris has five more kids and <laughs> spreads what he's, the, the, the love that he has with his family. It's all good, and uh, I'm just glad to be part of your. I'm just glad to be along for the ride. So, so keep keep inspiring everyone. You do the same. Happy Father's Day, gentlemen. Happy Father's Day to all. Happy Father's Day. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on PodCon X. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, 
all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge. You can find me at the Talking Hedge podcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms don't forget to like share and subscribe or don't and i'm out thanks for listening to today's show to check out more great cannabis podcasts go to podconnects.com here's a preview of one of our other shows season one of dope history is now available at dopehistory.com Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.